0: Today's story is Letter with a Face by Viore from the Creepypasta Wiki.
1: During the 1990s, I worked for a fairly popular magazine. We asked our readers to send in stories of their strangest or scariest experiences. This letter was handwritten on several sheets of paper with a photocopy of a man's face on the reverse of each of the pages.
0: It was a bad time of my life. My fiancé had left me, and I lost my job. Both over completely separate issues, but both had been caused in part... At least, by my poor judgment. It took a long time to find another job, and I'd had to sell my car. When I did find a new job, it was a very early shift, so I had to take the first bus of the morning to get there on time. I had always been a late riser, so it was difficult to adjust to the early start. I was slowly paying off my debts, and I hoped to get a new car in a few months. There weren't usually many people on the bus, and I soon got to know the regular passengers a little. Not really friends, but we would say hi and sometimes have a short chat. One day, I was getting ready for work, and about to make a quick breakfast when the phone rang. I was pushed for time, so I decided to let the answering machine get it. When I heard my ex's name say my voice, though, I quickly grabbed the phone. I'd left her several messages over the last few months to apologize and ask to talk, in my last message, I told her that I wouldn't bother her again, but hoped that she would want to talk to me eventually. I probably hadn't worded it very well, I've never been good with words, and I often beat myself up over how clingy and desperate I must have sounded in those messages. Hearing her voice, though, well, I felt a little hope, the first real hope that I'd felt in a long time. Don't go to work today," she told me as soon as I picked up the phone. Sometimes, on her days off work, she would beg me to call in sick and spend the day home with her. Sometimes I even had. Hearing her say that, my, well, my heart leapt. I, <laughs> I playfully asked her why expecting her to respond as she had when things had been good between us, but instead instead she started crying. I tried to console her, to ask her what was wrong, but she just sobbed for several minutes. Eventually, she repeated her plea. Don't go to work today. And very serious and worried this time, I asked her again. Why not? All she said was, There's a dozen reasons. Just don't go. Confused and worried, I tried to get more out of her, but she went quiet. I could hear her breathing and sniffling, but she did not say another word. Frustrated, I began to get more impatient with her, asking her, What was wrong? Why was she calling me like this? But she didn't say anything. (laughs) Feeling hurt, I hung up the phone, and I made a run for my bus. I arrived to an empty bus shelter, knowing that I was late, but with a half hour until the next bus was due. My home it was only a few minutes walk away, so I went back to get some toast and coffee instead of waiting in the cold. When I got home, I noticed the small kitchen window was a little open, and upon closer inspection was slightly at an angle. The hinge had bent, causing it not to shut properly the last time that I'd used it. It was easily far too small for anyone to fit through, so I didn't worry about it much and just made a mental note to have it repaired. I finished my toast, and I had more than enough time to reach my bus. Feeling like a fool... I decided to phone my ex and try to talk about her earlier call. Her housemaid answered. She told me that she'd gone to visit her sister for a week, but that she had been meaning to give me a call, so she must have done so from there. She wasn't sure about giving me her sister's number, though, so she said she would phone and ask if it was okay to do so or just ask her to phone me back. I checked the time. I realized I had to get going from my bus, so I asked her to pass along a message to phone me at work in a few hours, giving me enough time to get there and make up for being late. I caught the bus without incident, and I arrived at work 20 minutes late. My usual bus got me to work between 20-30 to 30 minutes early. Traffic was heavier on the late bus, and I usually got some work done before my shift was supposed to start so that my boss wasn't too badly bothered by my being late. He'd he'd said he'd been more worried that something might have happened to me since I hadn't thought to call in either. Feeling like an idiot, I apologized. I told him that I'd had a very distracting call from my ex and hadn't been thinking clearly. I got stuck into my work and the morning passed quickly and uneventfully. During my lunch break, I received a confused call from my ex who told me she hadn't phoned me at all. She said she didn't even have my number with her and she'd had to ask her housemate to find it for her so that she could call me. I I really wanted to make things right with her, but I didn't like her playing games like this and messing me about, so I asked her to stop it and just talk to me properly instead she swore blind that she hadn't called and suggested that maybe it had been somebody else who just sounded very familiar over the phone i had to admit the caller never actually said who it was but i was certain it was her voice when i mentioned that the answer phone had initially picked up She reminded that would mean the conversation would have been taped anyways, as my machine would not have stopped recording when I picked up. We talked a little more. Part of me was still sure that it had been her on the phone, and she was just playing some kind of trick. But she seemed so genuine, and we'd had such a good talk about old times that I really wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt. I finished the afternoon's work, and I took the bus home, determined to have a careful listen to the tape and see if maybe in my tired and hurried state I'd made a mistake with the voice. I got home, and I saw that the the small kitchen window was now wide open. I tried to close it, but it wouldn't budge. Both hinges were now badly bent, and they would not move at all. I was more angry than worried, was too small a window for even a child to fit through and there was nothing within an arm's reach. I checked the other windows and the doors to be sure and they were all locked and undamaged. <laughs> I figured it was probably some kid skipping school that had noticed the damaged window and then engaged in a little vandalism for fun. I phoned the local police to report the damage and they, of course, asked if anything had been taken. Even though I assured them nobody could have gotten in, they told me to check any valuables anyway. I didn't have much of value, so it didn't take me long to check. I returned to the phone, and I told the officer that, indeed, nothing had been taken. He told me that someone would be over to look at the damage and check for prints, but to keep my expectations on the vandal being caught uh, reasonable, and to see if my insurance would cover the repairs. It wasn't until I put the phone down that I noticed that the tape deck on the answer phone was empty did my ex still have a key she couldn't possibly have come in and taken the tape just to cover up her call could she if she really was visiting her sister she was was far too far away to have had time to make the trip and take it anyways could she have convinced her housemate to lie about the trip Besides, I I clearly remember her returning my key when we broke up. She wouldn't have had a copy cut and kept it, would she? Why would she do all this just to avoid admitting to a phone call? None of it made any sense, but it seemed clear that she must have taken the tape after our conversation at lunch when she'd remembered it was recorded. And maybe she'd then broken in the window to cover the fact that she'd used a key to get in? No, that that didn't make any sense either. Why not make one of the larger windows look forced so it would be more convincing? Why, (laughs) actually, yeah, why even do any of this at all? It was completely out of character for her, even without taking into account all the other things that didn't add up. The police officer arrived a little later to take a look at the window, and they agreed that nobody could possibly have gotten inside through there. I told him about the answer phone tape and about having a strange call that my ex denied making on the tape, but I I was mostly sure that she wouldn't have broken in to take it. He said it seemed unlikely, but he'd also heard of seemingly rational people doing stranger things before and they would look into it just in case. He checked around the window for prints, but didn't find anything, not even any smudges. He checked around the inside and the outside of the house, and then concluded that nothing else appeared to have been tampered with. He also checked the answer phone for prints, but found only one usable print, which later turned out to be my own. He was friendly the entire time, we talked a bit, he made a point of reassuring me that my house was safe, but he also told me not to hesitate to call if I had any reason to worry. A couple a couple of hours after he left, I received a call from him. His mood clearly very different. That friendliness was gone, and he was straight to business. He told me that he had confirmed my ex was indeed visiting her sister and could not have taken the tape. He said it was most likely kids who'd broken the window, and asked if I was certain that there had been a tape in the answer phone that morning, or perhaps maybe I had taken it out at some point and forgotten to put it in. I was indeed sure. I never left a tape out. Once I'd listened to the messages and made a note of anything from them, I I always rewound the tape and let it record over them. I couldn't remember ever having taken the tape out, I wanted to talk more about it, ask if the housemate had an alibi, or if he was sure my ex hadn't somehow managed the trip in time, but I could tell that he wasn't interested anymore, so I didn't bother. Later on that evening, on the news, there was a story of a man's body having been found nearby. I realized that the body had been found in the time between the policeman's visit and his later phone call, and that had probably explained his change in attitude. They didn't give many details on the news that night, but they clearly believed it to be a murder, and warned people to be careful, and then report anything suspicious. The next day, on the bus to work, I was surprised to see the same policeman board a couple of stops past my own, He talked to the driver quietly for a while, who then pointed to all of the regular passengers. Recognizing me, he came to talk to me first. He showed me a picture of one of the other regulars, and asked me if I had seen him yesterday. I explained how that I had missed the bus, and so I hadn't seen him. He made a note in his book, and he moved on to the other passengers. After he'd had a short and quiet talk to each of the regulars, all three of them left the bus with him, and I saw them walking down the street together as we drove away. The rest of the day, it passed uneventfully. The short interruption of the bus journey hadn't been enough to make me late, and I'd been too distracted to talk to anyone on our breaks at work. When I got home, I put on the news to see if there were any updates and I immediately saw a picture of the man that the policeman had shown me a photograph of. The news reporter said that more details of the vicious crime had been revealed. A witness had seen the man get off the bus with another man behind him, and they had both headed off in the same direction. This was the last time anyone had seen him alive, and it happened shortly before the estimated time of death. Witnesses from the bus had described the same man as having been on the bus sitting at the back, and that while they had both left the bus at the same time, they hadn't been together, but that the victim had rang the bell to signal for the next bus stop, and that the other man had gotten up to disembark when he did. Police believe the man got on the bus to pick a random victim and followed him from the bus stop. And once they were out of sight of the witness, he stabbed the man 12 times.
1: Unfortunately, the writer hadn't included the requested permission for our magazine to print his letter. Nor did it include a phone number. The address wasn't far away though, and both myself and my editor were keen to print the letter so my editor decided that he'd make a quick visit to get a signed permission. The quick visit took a couple of hours, and when my editor returned, he was disappointed and said the letter was a bust. The man at the address denied having sent any such letter, and after reading it, said that although it did look like his handwriting, he had never had any experience like what was described, and certainly hadn't written the letter, so he couldn't possibly give permission to publish it. My editor was upset over having his time wasted by what looked like an odd joke, but decided to check if any similar crime had even occurred. Surprisingly, the murder described in the letter turned out to be very similar, but far more detailed, than accounts of a recent murder in a nearby town. We took the letter to the police and told them our story. At first, they didn't seem really interested but asked us to wait. Shortly afterwards, a much more serious looking officer asked to talk to us separately and we were led to different interview rooms. I was asked about the letter, how and why I'd received it, what I knew about the writer, and about the murder described. I was asked. The same questions several times, in different words, in different orders, and amongst other questions, and every time I answered as fully and as best as I could. Eventually, the officer confirmed that the murder description was accurate, but that some of the details in the letter had been kept out of the press. He then showed me a sketch that their artist had drawn only that morning from witness descriptions. It was identical to the sketch on the back of the letter's pages. I'm certain I'd never seen the man in the drawing before, but I have seen him since. Several weeks ago, I saw him in the street, and I struggled to remember where I'd seen him before. Later, when I remembered, I dug out the old letter, and it was indeed the very same face. I contacted the police but they told me that he had been identified and interviewed many years ago and dismissed as a suspect. I asked about the case and they told me that it was still unsolved but they couldn't say more about it. This morning, I saw him again. He got on my bus and chose the seat behind mine. Only a few stops later he followed a man off the bus. I probably should have done something, said something. Instead, I froze, and I watched him continue to follow the passenger as the bus pulled away. So
0: that was, once again, Letter with a Face by Viore. From the Creepypasta Wiki link and attributions down in the description below, if you want to check that out or just check the wiki out in general. This is a fairly new story; uh, was actually posted in April of 2021, April 19th to be exact. So, less than a month ago. Uh, trying to get some of the newer ones in, uh, if I can, if they stay up, because a lot of them get removed because there there are some posts that don't don't you know stand uh, on the wiki. Don't don't. Uh, what am I looking for? Shouldn't be on the wiki, I suppose, is the best way to put that. Because they're not really creepypastas, they're not really stories kind of thing. Uh, some troll posts, but it's irrelevant. It's a really good site, absolutely love it. And you have some really good mods out there, and some really good, really good writers, so... Thank you to anyone who posts over on the wiki, or anyone who enjoys this video, or anyone who comments, thumbs-ups, listens, doesn't listen, exists. Let's go with that. I don't want to thank everyone that exists, because there are some people out there that... Anyway. Um... If you guys did enjoy this, please do consider hitting that thumbs up button, as well as the subscribe button and the bell icon next to you if you're new here. Or you can also follow me on my social media platforms down in the description. You'll find my Twitter, my Facebooks, my Instagram, I think. Um, regardless, they're all over on AsTheRavenDreams.com. You can also do things such as support the channel over Patreon, coffee, or memberships. All patrons and members get early access to content. Most patrons and members get extra content twice monthly. So, if that interests you, check it out. All right. That all said, friends, if you have, if you have any questions or anything to say, I don't know what I'm going for here, but if you have any questions or anything to say, please do, do let me know and I will see you on the next video. And until then, sleep well.